Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, and we hope you do, will you please open them to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. In a message entitled, Daniel's Dreams. Let's begin in verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while he was on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night and behold, four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. As we come to Daniel chapter 7, Daniel now gives us in chapters 7 and 8 the details of two personal experiences that he has had, where God has given him dreams and interpretations. Up until this point, Daniel has been interpreting the dreams of the king, various kings over a long period of time. In fact, he even went from one empire to the next, from the Babylonians to the Medes and the Persians. But now we take a step back. And while Belshazzar was king over Babylon, Daniel was given two dreams, which we'll see in 7 and in chapter 8. And within these dreams, Daniel is greatly troubled because he understands and sees that God is doing something extraordinary amongst him. Throughout the book of Daniel, there are two primary principles that we walk away with. Number one, and that is that God is over the affairs of every aspect of man's life. That God is in control. He is on the throne. He is sovereign. That his plans and purposes will never be thwarted or frustrated by the endeavors of man. But secondly, we learn from the book of Daniel that no matter where we are in the history timeline, whatever government we find ourselves under, we have the responsibility of always remaining faithful to God, no matter what. And as we see here in Daniel chapter 7, God is going to give Daniel a dream. That this dream is going to consist of six different kingdoms. Four will be kingdoms of this earth. One will be the kingdom of Satan. And one will be the everlasting kingdom of our God. And Daniel is troubled by what he sees. Because he sees that things are changing around him. At 15 years old, he was taken into Babylonian captivity. Brought to Babylon. Became one of the advisors. Trained for three years in the king's court. But now he realizes that the king in whom he currently serves is only going to be there for a short period of time. He will be succeeded by another great empire. And then that empire will be succeeded from another, by another one. And then that one will be succeeded, succeeded, by, succeeded by another, and so forth. And yet in it all, God's hand is moving taking his people exactly where he wants them to go. We're going to see the Ancient of Days, God the Father. 
We're going to see one like the Son of Man coming before the Ancient of Days. And in the end, we'll see the interpretation and hear it for ourselves, what all of this means. To help bridge and to create a little bit of context for you, I think it is fascinating that these empires that uh, you know, have occurred in history, the lengths and period of time in which they dominated the world. For example, the Egyptians controlled most of the world for 500 years. The Romans for almost a thousand years. And we here in the United States of America have only experienced 245 years of existence. It puts it into a little bit of a context, doesn't it? If I may give you one more illustration, if I can. If you take your Bible and you find that incredible division between the Old and the New Testament, you flip one page from Malachi to Matthew, don't you? And you just keep sailing through. But between that one page is 400 years of history. Almost double that of the existence of the United States of America. We've grown up in the context of this nation, haven't we? We've seen the world through the lens of all that we've experienced here. We've operated our lives under a bill of rights and a constitution afforded to us, but it hasn't always been that way. And I wish I could say that we are guaranteed that it will continue that way. But we have been here for just a moment in time. And I think one of the reasons that Daniel was so troubled by what he saw is that he saw that life is but a vapor. Our 90 years of maybe existence here on this earth is nothing in the grand scheme of things, is it? This is why I hope that every single Christian makes the determination not to look at everything around them through the light of the temporal existence, but through the light of the eternal glory. So let us continue now as we find ourselves now in Daniel chapter 7. He now has a dream of four beasts coming out of what he says is the great sea. Throughout the Old Testament, the great sea is an indication of the Gentile nations, and I'll show you and demonstrate that to you in just a moment. But out of these, the first four kingdoms arrive, described in a very unique way, illustrated for us in a a very specific way. Notice with me in verse 4. The first was like a lion, and it had eagle's wings, and I watched till its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise and devour much flesh. After this I looked... And there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in a night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devoured 
breaking in pieces, trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them and before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. Okay, I'm sure you all get what that means, right? You got that down? The four beasts that he sees represents the same four empires spoken about spoken of in the second chapter of Daniel. Beginning with the lion, which represented the empire of the Babylonians. Given the heart of man, it showed that King Nebuchadnezzar, though brought to a place where he acted as if he was an animal, he was humbled in such a way that brought him to a place to acknowledge and to receive the God of all creation. But then they were succeeded by one that was more devastating than them, the Medes and the Persians, who are represented by the bear. And in the bear's mouth are three ribs, and those ribs constitute the three nations that they conquered prior to their elevation to the world dominance. The Lydians, the, um, the Egyptians, and also the Babylonians. But the Medes and the Persians didn't last very long. They were then succeeded by the Greeks under the leadership of Alexander the Great who expanded the Greek nation over a large portion of the world. And then after he died suddenly, the four heads represented here were the four generals that he left the empire to because he didn't have any personal children himself. And then... He was succeed, the Greeks were overthrown by a horrific empire, brutal in nature, the Romans. These words were given to Daniel hundreds of years before these events occurred. They're prophetic in nature in the mind and the time of Daniel. God was telling Daniel what is coming next. And no doubt, Daniel was troubled by this all. And in the interpretation that the angel gives him, we'll see further clarity to the dream that is given. But again, it parallels the image that Nebuchadnezzar was given in Daniel chapter 2. But God saw the empires of the world as they truly are. From man's perspective, these empires may have seemed glorious and powerful and unstoppable, but God saw them as the animal beasts that they were, driven by the depraved heart of man, corrupt in many ways, and eventually will be succeeded by the everlasting kingdom of our God. And now what God does for Daniel is say, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to occur, and it happened just as God said it was going to happen. But then God does for Daniel what we all need to do today, and that is during times of difficulty, in times that our hearts are troubled by the circumstances that we are faced with, it is imperative that we 
keep our eyes on the Lord at all times. And notice what God does for Daniel in the dream itself as we continue in verse 9. I watched till the thrones were put in place, meaning that each of these beasts had their opportunity in time. And then notice, and then the Ancient of Days, this is God the Father, was seated. His garments was white as snow. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire, very similar to the vision that Ezekiel had in Ezekiel chapter 1. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the court was seated and the books were opened. Excuse me. Talk amongst yourself. And notice what Daniel says. And I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. And I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed, given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching. In the night, vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man, this is speaking of Christ, coming with the clouds of heaven. And He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought Him near before Him. And then to Him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Now, if you're one of those who likes extra credit, maybe you were one of those overachievers in high school that wanted to impress your teacher. Extra credit to me was never a choice, but maybe it is for you. Many scholars, and I agree with them, believe that what Daniel is seeing here in these verses concerning the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man coming before him, are the details of that event is found in Revelations chapter 4 and 5. And you can watch and read the events in more clarity in those chapters, and I would encourage you to do so. But this is the dream that Daniel is given, that the four kingdoms of this earth will be succeeded by the satanic kingdom that will rise in the end times. And then that kingdom will be conquered once and for all by the kingdom of our Heavenly Father. And now Daniel is watching all of this. Seeing it all. Wondering what it all means. And while he is in the vision, he turns to an angel that is there and asks for clarity. It's okay when we read the Word of God not to understand at first everything that we read. Sometimes we need to pray and ask the Lord to help us understand what it means and what he intends by it. As Jesus promised, he said he gave us the Spirit to lead us into all truth. God himself, the author of the scriptures themselves is with you in your Bible reading. 
And yes, God gives teachers and pastors to the body of Christ to help them understand and apply properly the Word of God. But never negate your own personal Bible reading for that. In fact, may I encourage you, because many today, when they go to find out about the Bible, they consult uh, scholars such as Google and YouTube. And often we get further confused, more confused by those sources than we do if we would just spend time in prayer reading God's Word thoroughly. In fact, if I may give you another hint, much of the imagery that we see here in the book of Daniel is perfectly explained in the book of Revelation. It's like our map of understanding. It's a key to it all. Because the imagery is found also in the book of Revelation. So Daniel, given this dream, is now confronted with this reality. Wanting to know what it all means. I I see Daniel here like the disciples that as Jesus would teach on the hillsides of Israel, in the city of Jerusalem, I could just see them standing there, shaking their head behind him. Oh, yes. Whoa, that's profound. I have no clue what he means, but it sounds good, you know. And they would often ask Jesus later, hey, you know, just between you and I, uh, what did you mean by that? You know, I'm glad they, they didn't understand it. I'm glad that Peter wrote that after he read the things of Paul, he said, you know, Paul talks about some pretty hard things. But it should never discourage us from reading God's word. If you do anything in 2022, if you want to change course, if you want to robustly add and and cultivate that relationship with God, it must start with personal time of prayer and the reading of His Word. It must. So let's pick it up in verse 15. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit. I was sad. There was sorrow. There was anxiety and fear all accompanied in that word grieved within my body and the vision of my head troubled me caused me great distress is what he is saying and i I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all of this and so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things And those great priests, he said to Daniel, which are four kings which rise out of the earth. Remember I talked about the great sea mentioned in in the first few verses. We get this idea that the great sea here and in Revelation means the world, the Gentile nations. For example, we have examples in Isaiah 17.12. It should be on the screen behind me. Where Isaiah wrote, he says, Woe to the multitudes of many people who make a noise like the roar of the seas, and to the rushing of the nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. And so these nations rise up out of the Gentile world. And with the beginning of Israel's captivity in Babylon, a period of time that the Bible calls the time of the Gentiles begins. And this time of the Gentiles extends from the Babylonian captivity all the way through the seven-year tribulation period and ends with the return of Jesus Christ and the establishment of His kingdom, 
Revelation chapter 20, the millennial kingdom. And as a result, we find that Israel is finally perfectly liberated by their Messiah. And so these great beasts, which are the four are four kings which arise out of the earth. Now, when they say kings, it means authorities, and it also includes the empires in which they are over. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Highlight that verse. Underline it. The angel is telling him, though these four beasts will arise, the saints of God, you and I, those who follow Jesus Christ, will inherit the ultimate kingdom, and it will be an everlasting kingdom, and we will be citizens of that kingdom for eternity. This is a great verse of hope for Daniel. And it puts everything in perspective around us. We should not be surprised when the circumstances of the world around us grow troubling. The Bible told us that they would. The more and more we enter into these last two years and walk through these two years, the less logical it becomes, doesn't it? It just doesn't make sense anymore. Decisions are being made that seem to contradict the facts that we know to be true. And yet we are told to believe. We are told to obey. Blindly. Follow the science, even though they're not. And yet we're asked to follow and to continue. The question that many should be asking is, where does it all lead to? How far will it go? When will it ever stop? What will they ask of us next? These are the questions that we should be asking. This is what we should be looking to. You know why? Because if you, like myself, are a parent, we have children coming up behind us. We have people that if the Lord tarries are still going to be here on this earth and going to have to contend with whatever we leave behind, don't we? I would love the opportunity to spend like a fool the monies that I have and then have somebody else pick up the tab, wouldn't you? And yet we do that every single day. We live for the moment and not consider the future. But Daniel was encouraged to look at the big picture. Daniel, though you may be troubled, though you may be discouraged, though you may be displaced from Israel, your home, Jerusalem... I am with you, and you are part of an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that makes sense, that is ruled justly, that is without corruption, and that is pure. Eventually, we will be in a place, the new heavens and new earth, that has never been touched by the effects of sin and death. But as we continue to journey through this world, we will experience difficulties. We will experience corruption. We'll experience unfair circumstances. We will experience unrighteousness. But God calls us in those moments to continue to be faithful to Him. Faithful to our conscience. Faithful to our God.
And notice as we continue in verse 19. Then I wished to know the truth about the four beasts, which was different, I'm sorry, the fourth beast, which was different from all the others. Exceedingly dreadful. Now from Daniel's position, the Roman Empire wasn't even there. It wasn't even on the horizon. But he saw something terrifying of this beast. With his teeth of iron and its nails like bronze, which devoured and broke in pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. And then ten horns were on its head. And the other horn, which came up before which they three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until... The ancients of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Well, what in the world is going on here? The fourth beast represents the Roman Empire, which of course overthrew the, uh, Alexander the Great and the four generals that he left to the empire to. And they became the dominant empire for about a thousand years in history. They were cruel. They conquered their foes systematically. They, were, they seemed like they were unstoppable. Their power seemed endless. But let us remember that when Nebuchadnezzar was given the dream of the image, the head of gold chest of silver, the waist of bronze, the legs of iron, which represents, represented, of course, the Roman Empire in that case. They, it was then melded into ten toes that were mixed with clay and iron. Those ten toes are also now represented by the ten horns mentioned here. And what God is telling us, that in the last days, because those ten toes were crushed by a stone that came out of heaven and set up an everlasting kingdom, representing the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. These ten toes will constitute ten nations that will arise in the last days. And out of these ten nations, another leader will arise And in his rise, three of the original ten will be subdued and fall. And he will come to prominence as a major figure in the last day's events. We know this horn to be the Antichrist. That Paul talks about uh, distinctly in the New Testament, in Thessalonians. Gives us great description of what he will do and what he will bring about. He will come to power after I believe the church is removed in an event called the rapture of the church. He is represented by the white horse of Revelation chapter 6. His arrival here on this earth. He'll come as a peacemaker. He'll come as a military genius. He'll have all the problems solved that the world is experiencing. For three and a half years, he'll look like our Savior. But then the Bible tells us something will happen that this individual will appear to be mortally wounded and then 
come back to life. Zechariah gives us some detail that in that wound, he'll lose his right eye and his right hand in so doing, the woeful shepherd. And at that point, in what seems to be his recitation, back to life, Satan will enter him. And for the last three and a half years of that seven-year period of time will be the great tribulation where he will make war against the saints of God, the Jewish people who come to saving faith in Jesus Christ at that time, Gentiles who come to saving faith in Jesus Christ at that time, and he only will be stopped by the return of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 19. This is what Daniel is being given. That the last empire that will, over, will rule the world and will also oppress God's people will be an empire of ten nations. And those ten nations, one will arise from them, conquering three in doing so, and he will himself be the Antichrist. The tribulation will begin according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, I believe, that states that he'll sign a covenant agreement with the people of God, the Jewish people, allowing them peace and safety for a short period of time, and then he will, at the three-and-a-half-year mark, begin to persecute them like they've never been persecuted before. The Bible says that he will require all the world to take a mark on their hand or on their forehead, and without it, they cannot buy or sell. It is showing allegiance to him. The Bible also says that anyone who receives that mark cannot enter in to the kingdom of God, cannot be saved. This is what's still yet to come. This is what is on the horizon. But it all ends with the arrival of Jesus Christ, and he is guaranteed to do so. The reign of these ten will only be for a short period of time. And Jesus Christ will end it all as he returns and is confronted there in the valley of Megiddo at the battle of Armageddon and Jesus Christ will conquer once and for all. This is what he is being given. In fact, in Revelation, we are told clearly in Revelation 17, verses 12 through 14, notice with me. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as of yet, but they received authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords, the king of kings, and those who are with them are called chosen and faithful. That was a good place for an amen. You totally blew that, okay? Uh, You get some credit. This is what Daniel is being revealed in this infant stage, in this elementary stage, and he is overwhelmed by it all. This is what God is going to do. Notice with me if we come back to Daniel verse 23, Daniel 7, 23. And thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. 
The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. And another shall arise after them, and he shall be different from the first ones. And he shall subdue three kings. Notice verse 25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High. And shall intend to change times and laws. The Antichrist will have such authority and power that he will supersede the current laws of our land. There are many scholars who believe that his endeavor will try to bring the whole world under a certain set of laws. That he'll change times. And that word times is often looked at as simple, that he'll change the, the way the calendar works. Or he'll change uh, the, the 24-hour day period of time. But more likely, that Hebrew word is associated with the feast times of Israel. Meaning that he'll create a new system of worship for people to follow. It's very interesting if you look at it in that way. Paul tells us that the Antichrist cannot come to power until that which is restraining him is removed. Well, what is that? I believe it is the church empowered by the Holy Spirit that will be removed at the time of the rapture of the church. And then literally... Excuse my language, all hell is going to break out, literally, on this earth. This is what the Bible says we are headed towards. It's hard because nowhere in Scripture do we find the United States of America. We don't know what that means. Some have speculated that it means that we are no longer a superpower. I think we are well on our way of becoming that. I think that it is interesting that the world, through the process of globalization, is becoming more and more interlinked and connected, and even more scarier yet, dependent. It is interesting to me that everything in this world is moving in the direction that the Bible said it would some 2,000 years ago. Now, we don't know how it exactly will all play out. We don't know the identity of these ten nations. We don't know who those nations will actually be. We know that they will be part of what was once the Roman Empire. But this is what we can look towards. But I will tell you that Paul made it abundantly clear that after the Antichrist rises to power, at the three-and-a-half-year mark after being indwelt by Satan himself. The Antichrist will walk into the rebuilt temple there in Jerusalem and demand to be worshipped as God. Jesus warned us about this moment, and he said, Watch and be careful for a time called the abomination of desolation. A time where the Antichrist is going to raise himself up to be worshipped. Many thought that this event was fulfilled by one called Anicus Epiphanes when he slaughtered pigs to Zeus there in the temple. But that event happened before Jesus spoke those words and he told us very clearly that it is still yet coming. And I believe that the Antichrist will walk into Jerusalem and do just that. And then the world will be plunged into a time like it has never seen before. 
And then when all hope seems to be lost, the sky will open and one riding the white horse shall return with the cloud of witnesses behind him and Jesus is going to bring it to an end once and for all. That's what we as Christians have to look forward to. And I believe that we will be riding with him when he returns. So if you haven't ridden a horse yet, let me ask you, try Try it. Uh, you know, we we got to be ready for it. You know, I, I see myself as, you know, I, I probably get the little donkey, you know, at the end. Yeah. Hey, Jesus rode in on a donkey. Why are you laughing at me? No, I'm kidding. I'll get the miniature horse, you know. Jesus will be coming back. Where's Eric? He's still up there. Oh, this guy. But notice... With me again as we turn back our attention to Daniel. He shall persecute the saints. He'll tend to change times and the laws. The saints shall be given into his hands for a time, times and half a time. That is representative of three and a half years. One year, two years, a half a year, 1260 days in the Jewish calendar. But sometimes the smallest words of the Bible are the most encouraging. Notice with me in verse 26. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole, under whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed because I kept the matter in my heart. Fast forward to today. Jesus Christ is still radically saving lives. He's rescuing people. The kingdom of God has two aspects to it. It began as Jesus entered into this world that day that we now celebrate as Christmas. And one of the first things out of the mouth of Jesus when he began his public ministry at 30 years old was that the kingdom of God is at hand. He identified himself as the Son of Man, which we have just read here in Daniel chapter 7. Showing that this was the beginning of everything. Now, right now, it's difficult because we are part of a heavenly kingdom. We are part of our Father's kingdom. But the world is still subjected to our enemy. There are two kingdoms operating in this world today. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And the kingdom of God will subdue the kingdom of Satan once and for all at the return of Jesus Christ. But until then, as we know that our Heavenly Father is in charge of all things. He's in control. He's on the throne. He asks us today to be faithful. To remain faithful to Him. And to know and to understand that He is coming again. And if we look at the world around us, oh, how easy it is to say, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. But I leave you with these words. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 17 and 18, I want to give you these to encourage you on your way out. Notice what Daniel says and, and is given once again. 
those great beasts, those are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. But notice this, verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Amen.